1: Welcome, everybody, to the Oklahoma Drill Podcast. I am your host, Andrew. As always, I got my co-host, Matt, and Vitor here as well. Guys, we got a ton to talk about today. We got to go over the 45-15 to loss to the Buffalo Bills that just happened. We also have to preview the Miami Dolphins game coming up this week, Uh, a chance to rebound for the Jets after a handful of bad losses in a row. We're going to start right off with the review of the Buffalo game and get into what I think is the biggest point of the week that needs to be talked about, and that is this defensive structure and how its refusal to adjust is outright hurting its team. Uh, the team as a whole right now, uh, the jets defensive coaches, Robert Sala and Jeff Ulbrich, they come from the Seattle cover three school and in that defense, in that structure, the whole point is to let their talent shine have guys spread throughout the field so they can cover deep and not get exploited, kind of run and hit to the ball and keep everything underneath. You're supposed to just trust your speed, trust your pass rush, not do anything too complicated on the defensive players. That way they can focus more on what the offense is going and doing and react more than think. And in theory, it's a sound strategy and we've seen it work before throughout other teams in the NFL over the last handful of years. But the problem with this defense, especially now is that it's very, very predictable. And when you don't have the talent to make up for that predictability and basically sit there and be able to say, we're going to run the same coverage seven out of 10 times. And it's not going to matter that, you know what we're doing because our team is so good that you have to beat us on the field just as much as you beat us schematically. The jets do not have the talent to run this defense to that capacity. It's that simple. And it's really sad to expect them to, (laughs) to with, with all of the injuries, let alone, Bad draft, bad drafting, poor free agency for years before that. This was a really, really weak roster. It really lacked depth on a lot of positions. And you have a lot of rookies playing in a lot of early positions in tough situations. And I want to go ahead and highlight Brandon Eccles, who's now on IR. I feel so bad for Brandon Eccles. He has been put in some of the toughest situations for a sixth round rookie corner that I can imagine. I mean, he gets matched up and isolated against other teams' number one receivers every week. Whether it was Jamar Chase, whether it was Michael Pittman, whether it was Stephon Diggs, and a multitude of guys weeks and weeks before, Brandon Eccles has showed no fear, done everything he can in his situation, executing the coverage that has been called for him, and everyone is going to get on him for giving up the double move to Diggs the end of the half that set them up to score and and double dip, as they say, and get two quick touchdowns, put the game out of reach. Brandon Eccles, just like Lamar Jackson. Uh, when Greg Williams was a defensive coordinator, should not be getting the brunt of the blame. His coaches should be getting the brunt of the blame for letting him one-on-one with Stephon Diggs in the first place. And I want to apologize to Brandon Nichols for putting him in that situation because I don't think it's fair. And I think that this is another example of the Jets defensive coaches harming their players by putting them in no-win situations to start. It has become a major, major problem. The Jets defense is historically bad. And if it does not change, it is only going to get worse This is, this is really bad and deserving of criticism from the coaches. I'm, I'm honestly, I'm very upset. And I really, really hope that we start to see the coaches do what they can to help the players and stay out of their way. Like they have been the last few weeks because other than otherwise
2: it's going to be ugly. Well, I, my, my biggest gripe isn't really with how, how he's treating the guys in the secondary. Yeah. They're young. But they have held their own, like you said, against some really good wide receivers. So I wouldn't really put it past them to, hey, they've been doing pretty good against some really good wide receivers. Why not continue? And for the most part, it's held up over the season. And yeah, they're going to get beat every now and then by really good wide receivers. It's bound to happen. Uh, I am more concerned with the pass rush. They don't like the blitz very much, and I feel like that's really hurting us right now because we don't have any true edge defenders. We have Franklin Myers who just got his big payday and he hasn't really done much with it. Uh, Frankly, I think he him and Q are getting double teamed a lot and that's uh, taking them out. And then all that leaves is who Lawson Rankins and whoever else we throw at at edge Uh, and they're just not getting the job done. And we need this pass rush because that pass rush helps everybody else from the linebackers back to the secondary. Everyone is helped by a pass rush, and we have none. Before Huff went down, we were averaging close to 17 pressures a game. After, we're not even cracking 10. So there's a huge difference in what we're putting out on the field in in terms of pass rush uh, from before Huff to now. And if we can't generate pressure, then it's going to hurt everybody else and we need to rethink how we're doing that. And if that means more blitzing, so be it. That I think that will help the secondary more than anything.
0: Yeah. One quick point that I wanted to make is this Jets defense only functions when their players play with proper instincts. And right now the Jets lack Agreed. instincts. They lack instincts. Their linebackers, besides CJ Mosley, they are not in the right spot. Often safeties. Now that May's gone, we had a play that Sherrod Wilson, a general, a, and then around reverse play for the bills that went for more than 40 yards plus 40 yards last game. And Sherrod Wilson is looking at the backfield for the entire play. And he's the ad setter, right? There are plenty of plays where this defense, you can see the players are playing without instincts. And this defense is all about, Hey, play free, you know, let your instincts shine. And this, this is not happening right now. Salah needs to, at least, if he's not going to change it, he needs to spot it on film and coach those guys better.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's, it all ties together. The pass rush, not being there. Um, that's kind of the point of this defense is that you get home with your four man rush and you let your, your seven in coverage, be able to smother people and give time for the rush to get home. But if you don't have the rush to do it, it's not going to work. And if you don't have instincts in the back end, you can't take advantage of the freedom. You can't take advantage of the extra time that you get to make plays as they happen right after the ball is snapped, because you're spending more time thinking, which is the exact opposite of what this game is supposed to be supposed to do. And then you have guys in the back end that have done an admirable job in the situations they've been put in, but they've been put in very, very tough situations. And we've seen them killed for it a couple of times now. And I just feel bad for all of these young players because they're trying to teach them. They're trying to put them in a position where they don't have to think and they can spend more time reacting. And that's all good in theory, but right now they're just getting exploited. And every team is following the same game plan week after week: screens, trap runs, uh, anything short and underneath to running backs to take advantage of the defensive line's aggression. And then they know what coverages the team is going to call before they even get in the stadium. And it's it's hurting these players. They're not getting to develop. And I really, I, they don't need to change their entire defensive structure. They don't need to completely throw everything in the trash can. I don't think that's what any of us are saying but they need to add in some wrinkles. They need to add in some changes. They need to trust these guys to be able to handle more mentally rather than just handling so much physically.
2: And like you said, if, uh, if he's not going to change the scheme, he's got to teach these guys up. But uh, at the same time, it's sort of a revolving door of people that he needs to coach up. So we got uh Delshawn Phillips. And as our will linebacker, uh, we have uh, who, who are our safeties. It's uh, Gerard Wilson, Ashton Davis, uh uh who else needsmanman Kneesman. Uh, uh, so it's we, we've got people that are fresh and it's not exactly gonna help that they these people keep get getting switched in and out to uh, for starting I, I i really like quincy williams as our will i don't know why we're not using him more uh him and cj seem to be clicking a lot better
1: uh i think it's exactly what vitor said and its instincts and while Quincy Williams every now and again, will make a really, really good splash play where he comes in like a missile and it looks like he just blows the play up completely. And those are all well and good. There's also a handful of plays where he's been caught wildly out of position because he just flies and attacks at whatever he sees. And that has really caused him to give up a lot of big plays where that's where you've seen, especially against Tennessee, there was a handful of those screen passes that just went out for, for giant chunks of yardage. And it's because Quincy Williams wasn't even looking and I really think that has a lot to do with it. And I think Delshawn Phillips came in for a few plays against the Bengals and had a couple of big plays. And I think they wanted to give him another shot. Um, I, they're looking for somebody to step in at that linebacker room because Jared Davis has not been good since he has been playing. And I think that has been a really, really big letdown for them because they were expecting him to be CJ Mosley's running mate. And he, in his handful of games that he has played, he has been a liability. And so I think they're just trying anybody they can. All right, guys, I think that's enough talk for the defense. We've known about their struggles for weeks and weeks. Now it's kind of been the same thing. Nothing more. We need to spend talking about it. We just need it to be adjusted. Uh, Something needs to be done. Otherwise the jets will quite literally finish with the worst defense in team history offensively. Now, uh, the Bills did everything they could in the secondary to to lock up the Jets' wide receivers for most of the day in coverage. And I think that is the next point we need to talk about. These wide receivers struggled to get separation. Corey Davis, in particular, on his one big play of the day, was able to make a good play over the middle. Great throw from Mike White. He uh, was able to outrun a tackler and then fumbles towards the end of the half. And the very next play, I believe, after the fumble was the deep shot to Stephon Diggs. And you see how the game swings from there. Uh, It has been an issue, and while Mike White certainly didn't do his best to win either, and we'll get into that next, the receivers didn't give him any help, and they are going to need to give Joe Flacco help this coming up week against Miami, and I think it's something that really needs to be addressed. Matt, go ahead and talk to us about what the receivers' issue was getting uh, getting off this secondary.
2: Well, I think the biggest issue is that Mike White isn't really the best downfield thrower. Uh, between accuracy, arm strength. It's a lot of throws just aren't there. And the Bills know this. They they now have enough film from what they've seen against Cincy and the little bit he's played against New England and Indy. So he they have the, the film on him to know that he's going to focus on the middle of the field, the short and intermediate stuff. And they sat on it all day. They kept rotating guys, the linebackers, in and out of the middle and really making it hard to find throwing lanes. Uh, so this uh, forced uh, White to look elsewhere to look for the boundary shots. Uh, I, Baldinger uh, broke down a, a great play uh, where he had double wheel routes, and even Hughes and and Ep- 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 uh were great in coverage. They they took out Carter and, and Johnson. Like th- these are the guys that we sort of like in that matchup against their defensive ends, and they were still able to clamp down on these guys. Uh, they really didn't give a, us. Much of anything, to no really no room to to do anything, and it showed they they weren't able to get anything going, um, and it, it it's it's a shame because I think that they probably could have beat these guys, uh, they just weren't showing up. The wide receivers were not getting any separation, uh, except for maybe more uh, towards the end of the game. Uh, as soon as uh, Flacco comes in, now all of a sudden taking. Some uh, a little bit further shots downfield with 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 more. He had that great back shoulder throw uh, that more went up and got, uh, and then followed it with a touchdown. So uh, it it's uh, it just sort of plays into everybody's deficiencies, not being able to get open, and also Mike White's inability to throw downfield.
0: Yeah. And one thing that I noticed watching tape is that the Bills coverage team is just fantastic. I broke down the the first third down of the game. The Jets called MASH and they get an edge rusher on Michael Carter one one, And the edge rusher completely nullifies Michael Carter with perfect coverage. And then the Jets are trying to scheme Elijah Moore play on the whip route. And then Trey White just bumps the hell out of Elijah Moore and he's not open. And And it was basically the story of the entire game when the Jets faced man coverage. Jets' pass catchers, not only the receivers, they fail to separate. And that's more of an indictment on Corey Davis for me than anybody else. The Jets signed Davis, hoping he would be a number one receiver. And right now, he's not playing like a number one receiver should be playing. He's a high-end number two. I know that just giving out numbers is kind of stupid, but it's true when you hand out a guy big cash. He's playing as a high-end two. He hasn't been able to separate against man coverage. We saw it against JC Jackson and the Patriots. We saw it against Trey White. We saw it against the top corners of the Broncos. So Corey Davis didn't help his quarterback. And we're going to talk about it more later, but the Dolphins play a lot of man coverage. We need Corey Davis to separate. Maybe if Joe Flacco, a guy that can put the football in tight spots, Davis will get his opportunities, but the Jets receiving group as a unit against the bills didn't meet the expectations. Although we must consider the Bills' coverage team is just fantastic. Be it zone, be it man, those guys know their assignment and they execute it
1: perfectly. Yeah, I think that's that's exactly what it was as well. And honestly, I think it was a perfect storm of everything going wrong for the Jets. You have an offense that is able to come out immediately on their first drive. It was exactly what we said that they wanted to take shots deep. They wanted to take advantage of Marcus May being out and safeties that haven't been playing very well. They wanted to try and and get down the field. And the very, very first play was a play-action deep shot. Uh, This was exactly what we predicted. The bills were able to get down the field and score. And then it's seven, nothing. The jets offense three and out, obviously, as we talked about and their coverage team, like you said, is just fantastic. And sometimes you are not the better team. And when you, the jets were two and 14 last year and Buffalo was in the AFC championship, it's reasonable to expect that they are not going to be the better team. And even if you have the right answers, you don't always have the right situation because the other teams players are just better. And that was the situation that happened. You get into 10, nothing, and the game is still within reach. And after that, Corey Davis fumble. And I think this is where you again go and point the finger at Corey Davis and can criticize him because he isn't playing like a number one and your number one receiver makes the play in that situation like he did, but doesn't fumble at the end of it. It's spiraled from there. Immediately, the Bills get down the field before the end of the half. They score a touchdown. It's seventeen nothing. They come back out, score another touchdown on their next drive. It's twenty or it's twenty four nothing. Game's over. There's there's nothing you can do at that point. And from then on, the Jets are having to be pass happy, and they're having to play in catch up mode, which just plays into the the hands of the Bills coverage team. It just made it that much easier for them to key in on the pass, to lock up in coverage, be able to take a little more risks because they knew the Jets were going to be desperate and trying to throw the ball. And that's exactly what happened. It just, it all got out of reach really, really early and we need our receivers. And I think Elijah Moore did a good job at the end of stepping up, but we need our receiving group as a whole to, to be able to win one-on-ones. And we haven't really seen them be able to do that as frequently as we would really hope. I would really, really expect Corey Davis to with his athletic talent to be able to create some separation. I'm, I'm not going to get on Elijah Moore for getting locked up by all pro Trey white in his rookie season, but Corey Davis got paid. He got the contract. He is the number one target. And when you are a number one target, and this is the point I want to end on with this, the whole point of the, like you said, Vitor, you don't want to give out numbers, but the whole point of a number one, number two, et cetera, the number one wide receiver in an offense is meant to scare defenses. The number one wide receiver is meant to Distract defenses, be a focal point, be somebody that they have to go in and game plan for on every week to say, we have to stop this guy in particular. It opens up better matchups for the other guys on the field. And right now, Corey Davis is not being treated like a number one wide receiver by any defense jets play. He's being treated like another guy and just a, a, a face in the crowd. That needs to change. Corey Davis needs to install some fear in defenses and be respected like the number one receiver that he's getting paid to be. Otherwise Elijah Moore is an opportunity to step up and take that crown. that crown. And we'll get into that next, but uh, Corey Davis needs to step
2: up. I completely agree. One thing that I've noticed since the Cincy game is that we've become a lot more pass happy, even when we're, we're not like behind the, the sticks and with the score, we're still passing a lot more than we're running. And you can sort of see when we do run, it's working pretty well, whether it's the pass that's opening it up. But I feel like we shouldn't abandon the run so much so early. I, I, I really like spreading out the defenses, tiring them out with Carter uh, and Johnson. Let let them eat a little bit more and then play off the pass off of them and just make it a little bit more balanced, at least. Uh, I think we went away from it a little too early.
1: Yeah, I agree that that they certainly could focus more on the running game and have that be an answer to lighten up defenses. But I think there's a couple of reasons why they have not First and foremost, Mike LaFleur is a passing game coach. He was the passing uh, game coordinator when he was with San Francisco. They had a whole separate guy, Mike McDaniel, to handle their run game. He was literally their run game coordinator. Michael LaFleur was their pass game coordinator. He's more versed in passing games than he is in running games to start with. On top of that, you have tight end injur- injuries and the jets really like running at a 12 personnel, 22, 21. We've seen that a lot this year. They don't like to run as much out of 11, even though we keep saying they should, they haven't really wanted to do it as much. And I think that's, what's leading to them being pass happy. And finally they went pass happy against Cincinnati and it worked. And I think they're, they're resting on that a little bit too much.
0: Yeah. They definitely, they definitely got to run the ball more, but Andrew made a solid point. Tight end injuries are, are tough right now because when You go in 12 personnel or 21 personnel, your number one tight end is Rand Griffin, and he's not a good in line blocker. Not a good yep. in line blocker, it's hard to run with outside zone, wide zone, whatever the Jets want to run out of, out of 21 personnel with a tight end that's a liability blocking in line. So, LeFleur, gotta be creative. You know, the Jets' offense they need to run the football more, especially if with Zach Wilson coming back, right? Rookie quarterback ease him in by running the football if you cannot run the football out of 12 personnel 21 personnel throw screens run out of 11 utilize elijah Moore in the quick game and and gotta find answers because right now i think i honestly think this offense is way too pass happy for the offense and the scheme that they're trying to run
2: i don't know you said ease him back in with more runs but that that might not go over so well because it seems like Oh, as soon as uh, Zach's out, now we start passing the ball. And then now that Zach comes back, uh, are we going to now revert back to to not passing the ball as much? Because really that's his bread and butter is passing the ball. We want the ball in his hands. We want him to be that playmaker. We want him to be the guy that Mike White can't, which is a downfield thrower. And to revert back to being uh, run heavy, uh, I think, might irk a few people. Uh, I prefer more balanced. Uh, I mean, the, the offense that uh, that LaFleur comes from is still surrounding the run, but I don't think we need to make either of them a staple, or not a staple, but rather a, a primary focus. We should make each of them pretty level so that they play off of each other rather than uh, really get bogged down in either one.
1: Yeah, I agree that you always want a balanced attack. You never want to be too heavy one way or the other, because then if you get stopped with what you're good at, you don't have the the other side to counter. But I do think you absolutely have to establish the run more when Zach Wilson comes back because of his ability on play action, deep shots. And that is something that has been taken out of this offense with him out of the game. And if he, when he comes back, you're going to want to take advantage of his arm. You're going to want to take advantage of his athleticism. And like you just said, do what Mike White can't. You have to be able to threaten teams with the running game to get those deep shots open in the first place. Otherwise, they just get squatted on. And Zach Wilson's going to end up throwing picks down the field like he was the first couple of weeks. So I, I think it's really, really important when he comes back to not only for the purpose of easing the pass rush. Uh, and giving him more favorable matchups when he does throw, it, it'll help out with the deep passing game that has not been a part of the Jets' offense since he's been out. Yeah, I agree. And
0: honestly, I don't think it's sustainable to have, with a rookie quarterback, a 2-2-1 pass run radio. The Jets, it, it, call it balance it. The, the Jets at le- need at least 50-50 right now. It's unsustainable to have Zach Wilson back throwing the ball, say, 40 times in the Jets, handing the ball off 20 times, beat 15 times to Michael Carter, who is red hot right now. Got to be more balanced.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. They got to find a way to balance things out on offense, threaten teams on the ground just as much in the air, and not be hamstrung to one way of generating uh, plays down the field. It's it's that simple. They, they can't have teams like Buffalo just squat on their coverage underneath and basically just dare them to do something different. And they didn't adjust. And it's no wonder that the Bills defense was able to do what they did because they're a really talented unit in the first place and they weren't playing a team that was threatening them with anything they weren't expecting. Uh, that's that's not a recipe for success.
2: Well, let's hope that uh, Zach learned how to sell a, a play
1: fake. Yeah, that would be a good thing. Definitely. Uh, I would hope that especially with John Beck in the building. Now I would hope that that's something that John Beck is, was drilling into him among other things was selling his play fakes more, being more deliberate. And we could, we could have a whole other segment about what Zach needed to learn in the off season. But I, I, I do think that there are changes that need to be made in the offense when he comes back to it. All right. Final point from the Buffalo game, guys, speaking of quarterbacks, I think this is a good time to get into it. Um, we, Need to be fair. There are a lot of reasons why the offense did as poorly as they did. And not all of them are on Mike white. We talked about the receivers struggling. This is still a team game. And if the receivers were able to get open more downfield, maybe Mike white could have taken advantage, but I think we've seen what we need to see from Mike white. And we can all safely say that the, the fairy tale is over. The the dream that maybe the Jets found this jo- diamond in the rum rough gem quarterback and he's going to supplant Zach Wilson and and Zach Wilson's going to get traded that was nonsense from the beginning I think fans owe Zach Wilson an apology for even entertaining it for a second and Mike White has proven that he belongs in the NFL. I don't know if he's proven that he is going to be a top tier quality starting quarterback, but he is going to be at least a backup or a career backup for on some team for the foreseeable future. He's got a role in this league. I just don't think it's his as the Jets starting quarterback. And that's okay. I really want to end on that point. That's okay. He was a backup. He came in as a backup. He had a great game against Cincinnati and we will always love him for that, but It was unfair to expect him to supplant Zach Wilson. It was unfair to Zach Wilson to be so quick to throw him under the bus, and it was unfair of fans in general to expect this to be sustainable when it was very obvious that this was going to be something that other teams would not let happen as easily as the Cincinnati defense did. Matt, do you have any points to add here? Uh, I think this is is pretty cut and dry that Mike White is is not going to be the guy.
2: No, he's not. uh, But I still think it was worth starting him it was worth seeing what he can do because that that uh what he what he did against Cincinnati was so special and brought out such emotion in everybody everybody wanted to see him to to give him that chance was important uh there was very little chance he was going to become the next Tom Brady but you know what people just want to see they they need to see it with their own eyes before they can believe it and now we we know what we have and I people are saying hey you know what now Mike White is done. Now he's probably gone, but I don't think so. I still think that he he has a chance to come back next year and be our backup. I think he will be. Yeah, I mean yeah, you, you he should just, be. Yeah, you, you can't just do what he's done and just fade off into the into the the dark night. No, I, I think that the fans appreciate him. I think the coaching staff appreciates him. I think uh, Joe Douglas appreciates him, and I think he'll be back. He's a restricted free agent, Uh, so I can see us. uh, Give him a low-end tender. I don't think anybody's going to take him off our hands because he doesn't have that deep uh, passing game to, uh, under his belt. So that will limit him as a starter. Uh, so, yeah, as a long-term backup, yeah, I'm, I'm all for it. Yeah.
0: yeah. Mike White played basically nine quarters, taking away the Patriots game. And honestly, I feel like he played well for seven quarters. First two quarters against Buffalo were fine. And the last two were bad, pretty bad. And that that it is what it is. He's a guy that, at best, he'll be a very good backup, low tier star in the NFL. And I'm glad the, the debate with Zach and and Mike White is over, and we can just hope Zach to come back, kill it in the last few weeks, and maybe we have our quarterback of the future and our backup of the future in our roster right now.
1: Yeah, I think it's a real possibility. I really do. I think. Mike White has proven that he belongs in this league, like I said. And I think he's proven that he can execute this offense. And I don't think there's any reason why the Jets would want to move on from him as their backup quarterback going into next season when it seems like he and Zach have a really good relationship, it seems like Matt, like you said that the coaches love him. Robert Sala reiterated that today that uh, in his press conference, when he announced that Flacco would be starting uh, against Miami, that the team loves Mike white, that he's proven that he deserved the chance that he should be on this team, that he's going to continue to be on this team. And they're excited to keep coaching him. That doesn't sound like somebody they expect to just let go in the off season. I, I really think that they believe they have their quarterback room of the future set already. And that it's going to be Zach Wilson as the starter and Mike White as his backup. And quite honestly, if that's the situation, I think it could be a pretty good one. I, I, if Mike White is the backup and we know that Mike White is the backup and we don't have to entertain the questions of should he start over Zach Wilson or quarterback competition or, or anything else. It's just a standard situation of quarterback one, quarterback two. I think it could be a really good situation.
2: Yeah. I and mean, the only thing I can see happening is the jets being the jets and uh they bring back Mike White they let go of uh, Flacco uh then uh, maybe Zach gets hurt a little bit next year and then all of a sudden they bring back Flacco and they don't that it, and then it starts all over again um i think they they need to be a little bit more decisive with this they need to say all right Mike you're going to be our backup and just stick with it uh now that they really know what he can do as a starter uh i think he's perfectly fine as a spot starter and but they need to, you know, hold true to that. And the only way I would go away from him is if they could find better uh, as a backup. But usually better costs more. So, uh, well, that's yet to be determined on how they approach that.
1: Agree. Yeah, I agree, too. And and I think it's really important, especially when it comes to the quarterback room and situations of backups and starters. I think it's really important, the, the chemistry of the players in that room. And it sounds like Zach Wilson and Mike White are really, really close. It sounds yeah. like the two of them have a really good relationship. And I, Zach Wilson even said it in a, his press conference, I believe it was last week, that Mike White's probably his best friend on the team. And that's, that's awesome. I, I really, I don't want to break that relationship if there isn't a reason to, because to not having to worry about the guy over your shoulder, you know, trying to gun for your job every five seconds when you're a young quarterback and knowing that that's a guy that you can go to and trust and work with and feel like you're part of a team. That's, that's really, really important. And I'm, I'm, glad to hear that that's how they've been handling the situation internally regardless of whatever people say externally i'm glad to hear that that's how they view it and and i really i wouldn't want to mess that up because i think it could be really beneficial you want to talk about a veteran mentor for zach wilson i i think as much as that is important i think zach wilson also just needs someone that he can go to that he trusts that isn't you know the coaching staff that he can say in a different perspective and if that's mike white then i think that gives mike white more value than just being your backup quarterback too
2: I agree.
1: Yep. All right, guys, let's get into the Dolphins game. This is an opportunity for the Jets to rebound. There are a couple of key mismatches we all think that they can exploit. Uh, The Dolphins are by no means a a world beater, despite what might have happened on Thursday night football. And we'll get into that more in a little bit. Um, This is a winnable game. And I think that despite Joe Flacco starting, it might even be, even better that he is starting uh, to make it more winnable. We're going to get right into it off the top. The defensive line of the jets has disappeared over the last handful of weeks. And if this is not their opportunity to rebound, uh, they're not going to have a better one all year. The dolphins offensive line to be quite Frank is an insult to traffic cones. And (laughs) they, they cannot, they cannot block pass rush, run block, anything they are might be one of the worst single units of any team in the NFL. And if this defensive line cannot get home against them, I'm not going to know what to say. Vitor, what can this team do to generate some pressure against such a poor offensive line?
0: Yeah, basically, against the Dolphins' O line, I just want to say, do what they have been doing, right? Just rush for and trust those guys to win. But mainly, if you want to rush for and win consistently, maybe play your best for guys more, right? Because this crazy yes. D-line rotation, uh, it, it's like... I know, Salah. Th- th- everything has a reason, right? In the offseason, everybody was questioning why the Jets are signing so many D-linemen. Well, there is a reason, because Salah likes to rotate down like crazy. Mm-hmm. The Jets need to be deep at the D-line right now, and they are not at this moment. I tweeted the, the first touchdown of the Bills, the Jets' former rushers: Ronald Blair, Nathan Shepard, Shadow Rankings, and Hamil Rocha Jr. This cannot happen against the Miami Dolphins. If you want to beat the Dolphins and they're a good matchup for the Jets, come on, rush four, let those four guys win win consistently, but please make those four guys be Quinn Williams, Sheldon Rankings, John Franklin Myers, and someone else on the other side. Could be Ronald Blair, could be Shaq Lawson, could be Kyle Phillips, who's got activated right now. But those three guys, they got to be there right they got to be there and if they are there playing over 80% of the snaps i think the jets have a shot to create pressure against tua constantly and just wreck this
2: game up yeah i mean it it, it is a great matchup I'm, I'm looking at the the pff grades of of their offensive line. And it is absolutely horrible uh, from guard to tackle, tackle. It's just horrendous. Uh, so yeah, the, they have the, the best chance the out of any week to to cause havoc and it, it's this week. Uh, then it's all mostly about containing Tua, right? Can, can they get this pressure and then contain them? Uh, that's all. That was my main fear with uh, against uh, the Buffaloes. If they are able to get pressure, will they be able to contain Allen and really they didn't really need to Allen didn't run that much uh but I think Tua a might because Allen didn't need to <laughs> he, he could just yeah, that's sat why he and, didn't run that much because yeah, he, he didn't he need to exactly so maybe Tua a will so we'll, we'll finally get to see if if they're able to contain a mobile uh quarterback um and I yeah if they're unable to get pressure with the front four then solid needs to be able to adjust to that because, or we're just going to see the same thing as last week. Uh, two is just going to sit back there and pick us apart. He's going to pick on the safeties. He's going to pick on the young secondary. He's going to pick on the linebackers. Uh, and he just, he'll need to blitz. It's, it, it's that simple if, or not that simple, but that just change things up even just a little bit just to get pressure. We, cause we need it.
1: Yeah, I agree. Uh, they definitely need to, pick their chances to send some blitzes uh, regardless of whether the four man rush is working or not. I think you have to take advantage of an offensive line that's like this and send some heat at them on top of that um, Tua might not have as many opportunities to scramble because the dolphins completely run a different offense when he's in the game versus Jacoby Brissett, when he's in the game, when Jacoby Brissett's in the game, there are a lot more play action. they are a lot more downfield throwing. Um, they're not as, as underneath focused, And they don't worry about getting the ball out as quick. And that was their uh, game plan early in the Ravens game. And Brissett was getting killed. And then Tua comes in the game and they completely changed. They went to a lot more RPOs, uh, like true RPOs with Tua in the game. And I think that that's something that they're going to continue to do when he starts against the Jets. And if that's the case, you're going to have linemen downfield. And so if linemen are going to be downfield, they're going to be run blocking all you have to do is slip a gap. All you have to do is, is backdoor something. And you're going to have a free run at Tua who's going to have to get the ball out quick. Otherwise he's going to have to scramble without a true pocket. And someone's going to be able to come up and make a tackle. And if he tries to throw the ball, the linemen are going to be downfield and it's going to be a penalty. So that I think can be really, really easily exploited, specifically by guys like and Williams and Sheldon Rankins by backdooring some of these RPOs, getting in some passing lanes, seeing if they can't get to Tua before he can get the ball off. Regardless, this offensive line is just a mess. And I really think that the the one guy I want to highlight that I think could have a breakout against this offensive line is going to be Kyle Phillips if he ends up playing because the Jets are desperate for another defensive end. John Franklin Myers has not performed nearly as well as he did early in the season after getting his contract. There's a multitude of reasons for that, and it is not just JFM got paid and now he's not good, but they need another guy. Once Bryce Huff went out, as you said, Matt, earlier, their pass rush has really, really disappeared. And it speaks to how good Bryce Huff was playing. But it also speaks to the lack of impact that they're getting from Shaq Lawson and anybody else that they start at defensive end. Kyle Phillips played really, really well couple of years ago last year when he got his opportunities. And we haven't even seen him. I don't even think he's gotten to play this year. I think this is the first time he's been active. I really like his fit in this defense. I really like his opportunity as a strong side end to punish some guys in the run game and even in the pass game potentially create some pressure. I think this could be a game where you see him subbed in for Shaq Lawson on some pass downs and you run a four man front of Kyle Phillips, Quinnen Williams Sheldon Rankins and John Franklin Myers and whatever, you know, sides of the field they line up in and well, you run some stunts, you run some twists, you send these guys in motion and you see if you can't pick apart this offensive line, this has to be the priority on defense, regardless of anything else afterwards, it has to be making this offensive lines day miserable from the first snap. I think this is the biggest key to the game. Out of offense, defense, anything at all, if the defensive line cannot exploit this weak offensive line of the
2: Dolphins, it's not going to matter anything else. Yeah, but there's one thing that concerns me. Before we were talking about instincts, and if we're if they're going to be running a lot of RPOs, we're going to need a defense that's instinctual and also has good eyes. And if the they're uh, not disciplined or uh, instinctual, they're going to run by right by these guys. They're going to give clear running lanes, and they'll give clear passing lanes for Tua. So it's it's still yet to be seen how they handle that discipline-wise.
0: Yeah, honestly, for the D-line, I feel like this is a game where they can tip the football a lot, just like it, it happened against the Bengals, something they watch on film. Because, Andrew, you, you said it perfectly, Tua plays basically a point guard quarterback position for the Dolphins. It's yep. like quick throws, RPOs, and, and and Kua has that kind of sidearm delivery. He's not all that tall still, and and the balls are there to be deflected. This, the windows are small. They're sort of over, over the middle, and I, this is a game where the GSD line can dominate. Just, just want to highlight that. Be it getting to the quarterback, deflecting footballs, pushing the pocket. This is a good game for those guys to have a bounce-back one.
1: If they can't do it this week, then there's not going to be a better week to do it. I mean, I, that's the only other week that'll be the better week to do it is the next time they play the dolphins. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys, let's get into the next point here. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and lead off because I think a lot of people were stunned to see that Joe Flacco was starting. I think a lot of people were expecting Zach Wilson to get the start after practicing last week. Uh, Apparently he is still rehabbing. And quite honestly, I do believe that he is still rehabbing. I do not believe the jets are just trying to hide him against this Dolphins defense, because if anybody was on this team completely healthy, what's, who's going to give them the best chance to win at quarterback against this defense, it would be Zach Wilson, but If I had to pick the number two person on this team to be the best option at quarterback, it would be Joe Flacco, and this is why. Mike White does not threaten defenses downfield. I think that he can throw downfield when he gets his opportunities. I don't think he's completely incapable. I don't think his arm is completely and totally useless and just this this air cannon on the side of his arm that, that doesn't have any power. I think he's got enough arm strength to get the ball downfield, but it's not threatening and Zach Wilson's arm, as well as Joe Flacco's arm, they are threatening. They give fear in a defense that if they leave players in single coverage and you have speedy receivers on the outside, like an Elijah Moore, that they are going to be able to throw the ball so far down the field that no corner is going to be able to catch up in recovery. And that speedy receiver is just going to be able to run under it and go get it. That is a crucial point of offenses that you have to be able to dictate what teams are doing to you. And Joe Flacco himself actually had a really good line in his press conference today that I think sums it up perfectly. And the way he put it, he was talking about the dolphins defense and how they bring a lot of guys to the line of scrimmage and they try and send pressure and not be scared and trust their secondary and coverage. And they try and play a really aggressive style of defense. And the way he put it is the teams that are usually the aggressors end up winning. And I think that's exactly true. So my next point would be if teams that are the aggressors end up winning and you're going against a team that wants to be aggressive, you have to fight aggression with aggression. You have to fight fire with fire. And the handful of ways that you can beat zero blitz, which is the primary coverage the Dolphins run, the infamous coverage in the Sam Darnold ghost game is you either throw hot like the Jets tried to last year and get completely picked apart if teams squat under it. either try and run against it and get to the edges, which I think is an option that can be had this week, or you sit in max protection and you test the corners deep and you try and take advantage of the space that they're going to give. And you try and see if they can keep up 50, 60 yards down the field. I think that's why Joe Flacco is starting because if Mike white was starting Everything would have to be underneath against this pass rush. Neither of these quarterbacks are going to be able to escape uh, and be mobile and punish teams for blitzing by getting out of a uh, a pass lane and getting to the edge and running for 25 yards. That's not going to happen with either of these guys. So the only other way to threaten this defense is down the field. Joe Flacco is going to threaten defenses down the field more than Mike White would. And even if the Jets aren't throwing deep on every play, which I don't think they should, the fact that they can is enough reason to open up the hot throws underneath. That's what's going to eliminate the opportunity for this defense to squat on everything. That's why the Patriots defense picked Sam Darnold apart, because Sam Darnold has never been a good deep thrower going back to even his college days. So they weren't scared of him taking advantage of them over the top. They were sitting on everything underneath the very, I believe it was the first or second play of the game when he's throwing a speed out to Jamison Crowder and Devin McCordy comes downhill and picked it, picks it off he was had no fear that Crowder was going to run a double move up the sideline and take him over the top because they knew Sam Darnold couldn't throw deep Joe Flacco can throw deep and, and teams know Joe Flacco can throw deep. That I think is going to back off this coverage a little bit and it's going to allow the quick game to open up. And then when they squat on the quick game more, that's when you can speed Elijah Moore, get him uh, matched up in some bunch sets, get him a free release, let him get down the field and see if these guys can play catch up. I think there is a very, very sound reason why Joe Flacco is getting the start. I think of all the available healthy quarterbacks on the roster, he gives them the best chance to win. This is a move because the Jets want to win. This is not to hide Zach Wilson. This is not because they, they don't believe in Mike White, the NFL. NFL is about matchups, and the best matchup for the Jets against this defense is Joe Flacco.
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of people out today that were upset with this move, and I just don't get it. All right, it's, we're we're going off of what we have right now. We don't have Zach Wilson. If Zach Wilson was healthy, he would be in. He'd be playing, and we'd be all be happy. Uh, but he's not, so we have to look at w- what's available to us and who's the best option. Like you said, that is Joe Flacco, and yes, maybe White has a capable arm of throwing it downfield. Uh, but it's one thing to be able to do it. It's another to do it accurately. Uh, and from what I've seen from his passes downfield, a lot of them aren't, weren't accurate uh, or, or on point even that interception to to white. Uh, he, he had a more open for the, but at the same time, that ball was way out ahead of more. I doubt more would have even gotten to it. Uh, it was probably more of a pass to white than it was to more. Uh, so I, don't see Flacco being timid in this area. I think he'll be very decisive with his downfield throws and he'll, he's known for his downfield throws. That's why he was drafted his arm and his ability to drive the ball down the field. Uh, There's not much that the dolphins can throw at Flacco that Flacco hasn't already seen. Mike white. There's still a good amount that he hasn't seen. Uh, So it's, Some people are also saying, hey, but maybe we should start Mike White because, well, Flacco's not going to be here next year. So we should get Mike White more snaps. But, yeah, at the same time, Mike White, if he does come back, he's going to be the backup. This is all for the backup position, right? So we don't really need to dig that deep to find what we want in a backup quarterback, right? We just know what we have right now because we need one to start. So, And that should be Flacco because he's got the tools that we need. And Mike White, he might not have all the tools, but maybe he's good in a few spots. starts when there isn't another quarterback that's better than him. And right now there is.
0: Yeah, I agree that Flacco gives the Jets the best chance to win right now. I just think that it's like with all of this youth theme and the long-term thinking that Salah preaches all the time, I just think it's odd. It's just a natural reaction to the move, I just think it's sad that he named Joe Flacco the quarterback after defending Mike White on Monday. And honestly, I feel like this locker room needs a win. Salah needs a win because they're gonna they're about to eat him alive. It was just my natural reaction to the move because it, it's basically long term, etc. And now we're just playing a guy because we want to win this game. And I know. Flacco gives Mike White a better, gives the Jets a better chance to win than Mike White. And Mike White's not the Jets quarterback of the future, but he's younger. The Jets want to see his upside, maybe to see what he brings to the table as a trade asset, if he's going to be a backup or not on the future. And 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 honestly, I just found it odd. I just found it just disconnected with the common theme in the organization ever since Sally took over. The Jets refused to to adjust on defense because they're thinking long-term and now they can play Joe Flacco. Again, I believe Joe Flacco gives the Jets the best chance to win. I believe Joe Flacco is going to give the Jets some completions that Mike White could not, but still
1: it's just a quarterback move that it, it doesn't sit well with me. Maybe I can answer your question, Vitor, because I have an idea of why they are starting Joe Flacco beyond just needing a win and Joe Flacco giving them the best chance to do it. Uh, Sal said something today that uh, is either going to end up being infuriating to me or a sign of good things to come. And he was talking about Joe Flacco getting the start, being a veteran who's seen every defense that could be thrown at him, who's going to be decisive, who's going to be able to get the ball out quick. And he said, apart from just winning, he was talking about, slowing down development of their young players on offense. He was talking about Joe Flacco is going to give these guys the best opportunity to, he quite literally said, get the ball out quick, get it to their, get into their playmakers hands and let them do the rest. And from the angle that if they were to play Mike white, he might get confused. Not again, solid. Didn't say this directly, but this is how I took it. That, they could play Mike white. He might get confused. He might not be able to get the ball out as quick and their playmakers might not be able to flourish as well. If Mike white is the quarterback as opposed to Joe Flacco. So the reason that is going to be either really infuriating or really good is that's the exact argument that we've made on defense that you're making things harder on these players by putting them in situations where they can't develop. So do something as a coach to make it better on them and make it easier and help their development. So I really hope that that isn't just something that they see offensively. And that's something that they're going, that that's a little bit of a, a hint that they're going to try and do a little more on defense to help these guys in general, rather than just leave them out to dry. Otherwise it's really, really, really frustrating that they see that from the offensive side of the ball, that for guys like Elijah Moore and guys, guys like Michael Carter and guys like Elijah Vera Tucker having Joe Flacco in the game against this defense is going to help their development more than Mike White, which is what they can do as coaches without completely changing their offense to, you know, to help out their players more than they already do. They can see that offensively. If they can't see defensively that their rigid scheme that everybody in the league can pick apart is hurting these players, it's going to really, really frustrate me.
2: Yeah, I I completely agree. Yeah, that makes that's a great point. So if they can do it offensively, then they should be able to do it defensively. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's true. And, but, and then I think they, they asked uh, Corey Davis and, and more how they felt about uh, Flacco coming in. They're like, yeah, I, I love the idea of him chucking up the ball and us just going deep and grabbing it. They, they, they love that kind of, that kind of play. They, they want to be able to show off their ability downfield. So I think as far as uh, the, the team, uh, reacting to this. I think they're they're perfectly fine with it. And I think they'll be better off for it.
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, I agree. It's just, for me, Andrew, your point is solid. But for me, it's just so frustrating to see a staff preaching long-term all the time, say they want to adjust because they think it's better for the young players on defense. And then it's like, okay, we've got to win this one game right here by playing Joe Flacco. I understand they're thinking you have a good point there. But it it just doesn't
1: sit well with me right now. Oh, I agree that it's completely frustrating. I agree that it is. Yeah, that it it's doesn't make sense. Yeah, no, I com- I agree with you completely. Just because I, I think I may understand why they're doing it doesn't mean I agree with it. I I certainly think that if they are going to stick to this long term approach, you shouldn't have traded for Joe Flacco to start with. But if you are now in this situation where you have Joe Flacco on the team, I think this is Robert Sava feeling the heat. I I think this is, I think this is what this is. I think this was, they have had things go wrong and, un, and I've criticized Solin. I've criticized just Jeff Ulbrich and they've deserved it, but it is fair to put things in perspective. They've had a lot of things go wrong this year. They've had their rookie quarterback get yeah. hurt. They've had their prize defensive end get hurt. They, before the season even started, they've had blowouts of games. They've had a multitude of injuries in other places. They've had to adjust on the fly and they're doing what they can while trying to preach long-term and develop these guys. It's not easy. And, and I think when you have to remember that Salah's is still living in a hotel with his wife and seven kids and a newborn baby, that that I'm sure isn't easy, you know, on top of it. Uh, that's I, That's why I always want to be clear that we are criticizing, but we're not sitting here saying fire these guys. We're not sitting here calling these coaches bums. We're not sitting here saying they don't deserve their jobs or the the jets are the jets again. No, I genuinely think that these guys have what it takes to, to lead this organization where we wanted to go, but they need to do some things right now that are different. And their message I think is getting a little misconstrued because they're feeling the heat. Uh, I think that's, they need a win uh, quite honestly, uh, for, for better or worse. Yeah. Y- it's you need to, you need to rebound some confidence. You need to, you need to get some juice into this team again, because otherwise it's going to be harder for these players to develop on top of that. I, I think I think the team needs a win more than just Robert Sala needs a win.
2: Oh, yeah, I agree. But how about this uh, little theory that starting Flacco also makes it a smoother transition back to Zach than it would be if you throw White out there and he plays great again, right? And then now, does that make it a little harder to to transition back to Zach? whether I think even if Flacco plays well, nobody's going to be like, Oh wow, let's start Flacco the rest of the season. No, I think everybody's prepared to make that transition.
1: Yeah, I, I could see that part of me quite honestly wants to say these are Jets fans and that there would be some that would say, start Joe Flacco for the rest of the season, because there were some that said start Mike white for the rest of the season. Um And I think the, e- those are equally as, as unreasonable, but I, I could see it, but I just, I think the Jets, are desperate
2: right now. I think Robert Sala is desperate. Sorry to cut you off, but would you have said it is unreasonable if he did put out, pull out another 400 yard game against the against Buffalo?
1: If Mike White threw for 400 yards against the number one ranked Buffalo bills defense, he should be starting that. I would have said that completely, but Mike White did not throw for 400 yards against the number one ranked Buffalo bills defense. He had four interceptions against the Buffalo bills. Number one ranked defense. And and I I I think that is, yeah. And I think that is the, that is the key. And and it's not like the Cincinnati defense was, was a world beater before the jets played them. You know, I, I, it's just, I I don't know. I, I think, I think this has less to do with the transition to Zach Wilson. And I think it has more to do with the team needing a win and Robert Sala being able to look at this objectively and say, this defense is going to absolutely kill our offense. If Mike White is playing and they have no fear of throwing downfield we need to be able to beat them vertically or at least scare them that we can beat them vertically. Otherwise, our offense is going to get destroyed. And if our defense continues to play like they have been, the game's going to get out of reach again. I think this is coaching to win and nothing more than that.
2: And there's nothing wrong with that. I think that <laughs> we should always be coaching to win uh, and, unless the, uh, there's some other circumstances. But I, he needs a win. We need a win. Everybody needs a win. The team needs a win. Uh, we we <laughs> need to make decisions based off of that
1: yeah i agree I agree. Uh, you should always be going with the goal of of trying to win. And you know, even even last year when the Jets were winless for the first 9 weeks and everyone was saying, "Don't win, get Trevor Lawrence, you know, you don't screw up your draft position or anything else." I'm I never subscribed to any of that. Teams players need to win. You need to be able to put out good tape. You need to be able to to have confidence in yourself to carry into next season. There's winning is important. It's important for everybody in the organization and if the Jets want to become winners, they need to learn what it's like to win first. Yeah, yeah, agree. All right, guys, let's get into our last point. Um, We alluded to it earlier when talking about Corey Davis and the receivers struggling to separate overall. There was one guy that as the game went on, continued to get better and better and that was Elijah Moore. Uh, And I think we are all in agreement, again, that it's time that he starts being the number one target in the offense. And it's like I talked about with Corey Davis earlier, where you need to install fear in defenses. You need to be a guy that they have to focus on in more ways than one. That's no pun intended. That's going to open your offense and allow the other players on offense to do what they do win their matchups get into more favorable matchups. I think they have to start feeding Elijah more, the ball. In as many ways as they can. And quite honestly, we've been saying this for weeks. And they've started to do it more. They've started to give him more opportunities. And he's only gotten better. He's only responded by continuing to play well. And as soon as Joe Flacco came in the game, he started targeting him. He started taking his chances downfield. Elijah Moore had a great play on a back shoulder ball uh, for 20 something yards to get down the field in the fourth quarter with Joe Flacco in the game before his touchdown, where Joe Flacco was able to sit there and trust more that if he put the ball right into the perfect spot on the back shoulder with enough velocity to ear hole it past the corner, that Elijah Moore was going to be able to extend and make the catch. And that's exactly what happened. I think as he gets more targets, as he gets more opportunities, if he becomes the number one target in the offense, I think that he has an opportunity to really, really shine. I I mean, the talent on this kid is just unlimited. I think his speed is is very, very, very underrated and very crucial to this offense and needs to be featured in more ways than one. I think he just needs to be the go-to guy. I think it's Elijah Moore and Michael Carter. Those are the two guys you get the ball to as much as you can. And you let everybody else on the offense be the beneficiary of them drawing attention.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, just let everything feed that, uh, trickle down towards everybody else. Uh, and I was sort of upset that we didn't see a, any jet motion with with Moore, really, against Buffalo. Uh, I think that would have opened some things up a little bit for the offense if they did. Uh, but, yeah, he, he just needs more touches, no matter how he can get them. And that will build his confidence. And once he has that confidence of a number one wide receiver, Look out because it's all going to come together. His talent, his confidence, uh, everything. It's all going to show up on the field and he'll come, he'll show up as that number one wide receiver because like we are saying, Corey Davis is playing like a, a high-end number two right now. And that's exactly where he belongs as a high-end number two, uh, but more he has the potential to really blow off the top of this league. Yeah.
0: I just want to see Elijah Moore feature more in every level of the Jets passing game, as we were seeing against the Colts and Bengals, we saw some against the Bills, using in jet motions, using in quick game reads, intermediate routes, and then the deep action. And and LaFleur is trying. The touchdown was a nine route. The touchdown, sorry. The big catch for Flacco, a nine route. The touchdown, a little hitch, quick game route. And the interception by Mike White, a deep over, skinny post down there, down the field that they are trying to skin the deep touch to more and, and, and it, it just got a click. And, and the Jets staff knows it. Moore is much more skilled than Corey Davis. There's no question about it. It's just a natural development. The fact that he'll become this offense's number one receiver.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It needs quite honestly, it needs to happen sooner rather than later. Uh, and, and the more opportunities he gets, like we keep saying, you know, the better he's just going to keep Keep being that uh, his touchdown against the bills in particular, there was nothing fancy about it. It was just a stick call. It's just Elijah Moore, just going up, turning around at six yards and catching the ball in space and is able to make a 15 yard touchdown out of a six yard catch. That's, that's how you install fear in defenses. It's guys like that. that can make the place, the ball in their hands that can get vertical downfield on go routes that can be threats on jet motion. All the ways that teams have to think about defending him, is distracting them from defending everybody else. And, and that I think yeah. is the key to unlocking this offense. Quite honestly, the lack of Elijah Moore jet motion that we have seen from the offense this year has been like the biggest heartbreak I've had all season because it, we yeah. preached about it for months on this show. We spent the entire summer as soon as they made that draft pick in the second round when we all wanted JOK. JOK 7 was playing great as a rookie, you know, beside the point. We, we all wanted Owusu Koromoa and they took Elijah Moore at 34 overall. And we all knew why. All of us sat here and said, oh, okay. there's your jet motion guy. There's your Debo. Perfect. He's perfect in the role. He'll be able to do anything you want. He's got, you know, he's more than just the jet motion. He can be a go to receiver. We were all on board. It became our favorite pick in the draft. I think we all picked it as our favorite pick of the draft on our draft episode because of his opportunities and his potential as a jet motion, not gadget player, but but focal point of the offense. And we haven't seen it nearly to the way to the level that we've needed to see it. And it kills me because the few times that they, they have done it, it's worked really, really well. His first touchdown came on a jet motion and it was an 18 yard score on his first career touchdown on a jet motion we need to see more of this because there's so many other plays that can be drawn up and added later in the season or later in games. Once you install that threat of the jet motion, once you hit it one time, you can do whatever you want off of it for the rest of the game. And, and I really, really, really want to see it more because yeah, more that's, that's the end, the, the end point we want more. See, yeah.
2: Couldn't so agree often, more. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Every so often I'll, I'll get like a flash of a play that I think would be like an interesting little wrinkle. And as we were talking about getting the ball to Moore, I was thinking, how would you guys feel about Wildcat with Moore and, and Carter? Yes. Right? <laughs> I, I think the two of them back there together uh, with some RPO Wildcat action, I, I think would open things up a, a, quite a bit because absolutely is, you know, the two players you want the ball in their hands the most are those two. And you got them both staring at the defense. Defense is is going to have some trouble there.
1: Yeah, I'm right there with you. You have Elijah Moore come across as the motion and you have Michael Carter as the Wildcat quarterback. And you can either run the pitch to Moore. You can either run Moore as the sweep guy to draw out the defensive end and run power to the same side. You can run counters off of it. You can run the the quick pass where Michael Carter keeps it and then throws it to Moore in the flat. I'm I'm right there with you. And on top of that, we've seen a handful of times where the Jets have done uh, two backfield sets with their lack of tight ends. We saw that a handful of times against Buffalo and I'd like to see it more. I want to see Michael Carter and Elijah Moore both in the backfield at the same time. And I want to see Elijah Moore run some routes out of the backfield because I think that could be so dangerous. Yes. Yeah, I agree.
2: I hope you're listening, LaFleur.
1: Yeah, there's a million and one (laughs) ways to get this guy the ball. There's a million and one ways to feature him. He is so much more again, pun intended than, than a regular go-to target of the offense. Where if you think about a guy like Julio Jones, Julio Jones is fantastic. Julio Jones is going to go in the hall of fame. Uh, Every team in the league would take Julio Jones. No question about it, but you feed Julio Jones in a very specific way. You feed him down the field. You let teams be scared of his ability to go deep. And then you hit underneath on top of that guys like DK Metcalf are the same way where they're, ability to get open and their ability to create plays is very particular and very specific. Elijah Moore can do anything he wants. Elijah Moore can do quite literally anything. He can be in the slot. He can kill you underneath. He can kill you over the middle. He can make a play in traffic and run 60 yards for a touchdown. He can make contested catches down the field. He can be used on option routes. He can be used on jet motion. He can take plays out of the backfield, whatever you want as an offensive coordinator, this guy can do, and he can do it really, really well. And it's just a headache for defenses. Uh, There's, there's no reason not to feature this guy. At this point, I, I'm, this would be my biggest criticism of Michael floor. If this, if he does not continue to feature Elijah more, more than he has, and he has done a good job of getting him the ball. I want to see it even, even more. I want to see him get the ball. If Michael Floor does not realize that this guy is the the main point of your offense and him and Michael Carter are the two guys that you got to feed, it's going to look really bad on him. Get on the ball. Yeah. Get him the more, ball. get him the ball more any way you can. Anyway, again, all right, guys, let's get into some score predictions and get on out of here. Uh, I think we all agree. This might be the first time in a long time that this is a winnable game. I think that it's certainly possible that the Jets offense can do well. I want everyone to realize that the, the Dolphins defensive performance against the Ravens on Thursday night football is an outlier that the Dolphins defense is actually ranked pretty bad in terms of the NFL rankings. They have given up more passing yards this season than the Jets have. They are, they are number one in passing yards allowed in the NFL. Uh, They're top, they're bottom five in total yardage and total points. This has not been a good defense for most of the year. And they had a really good game on national television. And I think that's causing people to, to overrate them a little bit, but just like the jets defense, they are very rigid in what they do. And they can be exploited in what they do with similar concepts that other teams have run. And I think the Jets are going to be able to do that. We talked about why Joe Flacco is a good matchup, uh, better than Mike White, at least. I think that is going to have its factor. I think Joe Flacco could have a good game. I think Elijah Moore could have his opportunities one-on-one and really, really take the most of them. And I think this is the game the defensive line comes alive. I think this is going to be the best game the Jets have played all season. And I'm going to go out on a limb and think that they are going to crush the Miami Dolphins 31 to 10. I think they are going to decimate this team. I really think that everything is going to click for them. I think the Dolphins offensive line is a pitfall. I think it's going to ruin their offense. I think the defensive line is going to be able to get home. I like the matchup with the secondary. I know their corners are good, but if you're going to run blitz zero, you're going to be able to take advantage underneath. And the second you come down and you try and get guys underneath, that's when you can throw Elijah Moore on a switch release, get him on a double move or get him on a wheel route. And it's going to be a big play. I think Michael Carter is going to have opportunities to the edges in the run game. I really, really like this matchup 31, 10 jets. I think we're
2: going to be all happy on Monday. Yeah. I, for some reason, I, Can never see this team actually having a blowout. I I just can't picture it. It's been so long since I've seen the Jets blow somebody out. Uh, So I'm not going to predict that. But I will predict the win, but not a blowout. I'm going to say it's going to be a one-score game, 27-20.
0: Well, I guess i will be the pessimist now. I think the Jets are going to play well, but automatically lose to the Dolphins 2013. Two will be able to get the ball get rid of the ball quickly and score 20 points and the Jets offense will struggle.
1: Wow, all right. We have three very different feelings. I was really thinking that after here in our preview that we were all going to be aligned here, but I guess I am the lone optimist thinking the Jets are going to have a good game. Uh, that doesn't bode well for their chances, usually with how my predictions have gone in the past, but maybe this is the week that, you know, I get every dog has its day. A blind squirrel finds a nut, you know, every now and again, this might be the week that things all turn out well and the Jets walk away with a win, but we will certainly find out guys. Let's go ahead and drop our handles. Call it a day. Uh, you guys know the drill, uh, Matt. You can find me at. Zazzy Jets.
0: And I'm Vitor. And you can find me at Vitor Paiva
1: M. I'm Andrew, you can find me at Andrew Golden underscore seventeen. At always, it is at OKD Podcast on Twitter. Make sure you guys also go check out my new show on the Believe Podcast Network. That will be Believe in the Jets, I'm featuring myself and former Jet running back Lamont Jordan as my co-host. We're going to be doing weekly game previews there, breaking down the Jets' upcoming opponent, and giving you some betting advice to top it off. So make sure you guys check that out. Thank you all for listening. We will be back next week to hopefully review a Jets win. I'm going to keep saying it every week and keep being really happy when it does happen. As always. Thank you. We'll be back. Bye-bye.